welcome to the Matrix Breakers podcast, episode one, The Health Matrix. Why your health is the enemy to the matrix. Let's first start with the definition of health. Soundness of body or mind, freedom from disease or ailment. The matrix thrives off of your inability to think or act for yourself. Therefore, when you are sick or ill, you have lost the ability to do the things necessary for you to thrive. The matrix wants you stuck in a loop of inaction so that you may never get around to fighting it. Have you ever had the common cold or the flu maybe? Or maybe you're chronically ill to this day where you couldn't even get up to make a meal or get some water or do much of anything? Well, if you've ever felt that way, that is a tall tale sign that you know what it's like to be a dependent, to have your freedom stripped away from you. Now, that wasn't by design, maybe it was, but in that scenario, you're just dealing with an illness and you have become restricted in the things that you can do. Well, the point is, what if that kind of feeling of unhealthiness or ill or diseased body, however you want to look at it, was a design by the matrix? Now, I'm not saying that everyone is going to be super healthy and never going to have a problem ever in their life, but what if I could show you many different ways the matrix actually contributes to your illness. Well, today is your lucky day because I'm going to go over some information that might be frightening to some of you. It actually might frustrate a lot of you, but more than anything, it should enlighten you on the realities of just what we're dealing with today. Now, it's going to explain the matrix of health. And some of you are going to feel offended by some of the things I'm going to share. Before I get into it, I want to tell you that I apologize in advance that these conclusions are being made and that if we just assess the truth, we can do a better job at getting it out to the masses and adjusting the real solutions accordingly. So, if I get a bad rating or review on this podcast, I'm just letting everybody know ahead of time that the information I'm about to go over is not very popular, and it could frighten you, like I just said, and might even offend you. Let's first start with food. I'm not going to be able to cover every diet and all the attributes of food in your life, but for starters, we're going to go over some key points about why the matrix wants to make our food unhealthy. We can first start with the fact that we have deficient soils, okay? They're deficient in nutrients. Let me read from the Scientific American about this topic. It is true that fruits and vegetables grown decades ago were much richer in vitamins and minerals than the varieties most of us get today. The main culprit in this disturbing nutritional trend is soil depletion. 
Modern intensive agricultural methods have stripped increasing amounts of nutrients from the soil in which the food we eat grows. So yes, that means your cucumbers and your apples and peaches grown in a modern way, in this modern agricultural world we live in, they have less nutrients in them. I have read printouts of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, even in the 60s, where they would do these tests on the nutrient density of uh, over like 100 different vegetables and fruits. And they would, you could see a trend, right? And the trend was sadly going downward in nutrient densities. So let's say that, you know, each mineral and vitamin that's usually found in a tomato. Well, today, if you measured the nutrient density of tomatoes right now, you would have less nutrients in the same exact same cubic size tomato as you would have had in the 1960s. There are two major reasons why that is happening today. And if you listen to Dead Doctors Don't Lie, it actually explains more of an in-depth analysis on this topic. So if you're interested in that, you can just YouTube Dead Doctors Don't Lie. He does a great job explaining the nutrient deficiencies in the soil, along with a couple other great things. But I will tell you the two major reasons. One is the damming up of the rivers. And the second is the elimination of wood as a universal fuel. So, firstly, both of those things happened at the same time, roughly. With the creation of electricity being the main energy source for modern day civilization, so too came the damming of the rivers to generate that electricity and the elimination of wood as a universal fuel. Well, what's important about wood is not only was it used to heat your home and cook, but it was also used, uh, the ashes in specific, were also used to put into your local garden, which is self-sufficiency, which we're going to get into, but your local garden, so your great-great-great-great-grandma, maybe your great-great-grandma, would put the ashes from the, the fire, from the wood that y'all would use as a family in the garden. And this was sort of a, an ancient technique. Some people didn't even know why they did it, but they just did it, okay? And the reason why that is, is because the wood comes from trees, okay? Just to give you that update. And the wood would be soaking up all of these minerals, right? Well, I guess you would say the tree would do that, right? So the trees had roots deep into the earth and those roots collected water, but with water also came minerals. So these minerals were stowed up in the wood of the trees. 
So when the lumberjack comes and cuts it down, gives you the wood to the family, you know, then you burn the wood. You got an ashtray, which isn't used for cigarettes, all right? It's got multiple uses. So you got this big ashtray, and you would dump that ashtray out into the garden, okay? And this would give the minerals to the plants that your family would grow, okay? And that is how we actually had mineral-rich soils. Now, this was a commonplace thing, and it was even done on farms as well, okay? Now, the second part to this uh, is simple. Mountains carry the majority of our minerals. When you compare the globe, okay, think of the earth as an entire globe. Look at an ice cream ball of cookies and cream, okay? So if you if you can imagine right now cookies and cream and you see that on an, on a cone, just imagine that. You have the Oreo parts of that ice cream ball and then you've got the vanilla part of it right well similarly the earth is kind of the same thing when it comes to mineral deposits so on the ice cream ball the oreo chocolate parts represent the mineral deposits of what would be on earth okay so there's only some portions of earth that had a a, pl a plethora uh, a plentiful of minerals, okay? And this would be more or less located in the mountains, right? You ever heard of the Garden of Eden, let's just say, for example. But the mountains, for example, you had something called runoff, okay? This is simple geography. And from that runoff would create rivers, right? And I mean, you guys understand what happens here. Rivers, you know, they travel long distances to end up in a lake or the ocean, okay? But in the midst of that, the rivers are carrying all the minerals from the mountainous regions and they're flooding the plains, right? Well, what happened with modern day architecture and modern day civilization as a whole, when you had the elimination of wood and the generators of electricity come around, they were damming up the rivers in order to use the water power to actually generate electricity. So some of these dams, I'm talking, they would power entire regions. In many cases, even states would be totally powered by that uh, hydropower, right? The, the water power that was used from the rivers. Well, what did that do in return? Well, that caused the lower levels of water getting to the plains where our food was grown. So you've got this haltage, essentially, of all of the minerals that were not able to be carried down to the plains. So again, you've got a lot of combinations happening here all at the same time, but it all deals with the lack of nutrients in our soil, right? And if you don't know anything about nutrients, let me just tell you, you need nutrients every day of your life. I know that sounds simple, and a lot of us talk about proteins and carbohydrates and fats, but that's macronutrients. I am talking about micronutrients. There are a plethora of micronutrients that we need. Uh, and Dr. Wallach, who I've been following for over four years, he talks about 90. So there are 90 nutrients that we need every single day. So think about it. We need 90 every day. 
and we're not even getting them in the right amounts. You would have to eat, let's say, a tomato to get, you know, a couple minerals and a, and a few vitamins, let's say, in a tomato. Well, in, a, in today's day and age, you're not even able to get the right amount, even if you ate, you know, five to seven tomatoes. It would, it would equal that of one tomato in the 60s. And this is all in the U.S. Department of Agriculture. You can study this yourself. So what I am telling you is real. So I read to you from the Scientific American just now, okay? Now, moving right along, okay? We're going to go into GMOs. All right. You heard a lot about GMOs. You already go into the store and you see organic. You're saying it's overpriced, all this and that. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about GMOs. Definition of GMO, genetically modified organism, an organism or microorganism whose genetic material has been altered by means of genetic engineering. That to scientists sounds really cool. But when you think about the fact that we eat genetically modified organisms, that kind of freaks people out, okay? Uh, that is very true to the majority of the foods that we eat today, okay? Now, really the 90s, I would say, brought about this sort of movement of GMOs. wasn't really relevant until the 2000s. Uh, and now today, of course, most of us know this sort of GMO concept, right? Well, I'm going to get into the history of GMOs and I'm going to show you guys not only where they even started and how that even started to come about, but some of the effects they've had on your life, okay, and your health. So without further ado, I'm going to pull up an article I'm just going to read directly from some of these articles, you guys. That way you can actually get the real analysis here, okay? So there's an article here on naturalnews.com called Five Reasons to Avoid GMO Food. Well, let's read. Modern humans live in a world where technological advantages have mostly made life better. It is now possible to travel across the country in a matter of hours, or receive an organ transplant, things that would have been unheard of less than 100 years ago. However, not all technology is so benign, and one area of concern is genetically modified organisms. Crops and plants whose very DNA has been altered for the purposes of achieving disease resistance, increased nutritional value, or a longer shelf life. The debate over this continues and below are reasons that everyone should consider before exposing themselves to GMO food. So one is the possibility for allergic reaction. Okay. Another potential issue with modified foods is the question of allergies. Many children have developed life-threatening allergies to peanuts and other foods. The question is if a gene from, for instance, a peanut plant is introduced into the genetic sequence of another plant, can this cause an allergic reaction in vulnerable individuals? There is no definite answer to this. However, an idea to introduce a gene from nuts into soybeans was abandoned because of this particular issue. So we've got allergic reactions here based on some of the DNA changes. Another thing is lack of long-term study. 
One thing that many GMO critics point to as an area of concern is that there have been no long-term studies or independent verifications of the safety of genetically altered food. Very few people would, for instance, take a medication that had not been studied and deemed safe by the FDA or some similar body. That's a huge scam, by the way. I'm going to talk about that later. Yet, that is what is happening when people consume GMO food. And this exposure happens every day, and most people are not even aware of how many daily products have been genetically modified. Wow. So just that alone kind of goes to show that this was not in the public's interest for a very long time. See, it takes people who are willing to smash the barbed wire, if you will, to get information out to the masses so at least we can have a conversation about it. Does that make sense? I just want to let you guys know that I'm talking about this stuff. You may already know this stuff. Some of you guys might even be nodding your head right now like, wow, this is BS. But we got to have a conversation. If there's a reality here where I am telling the complete truth and this is a real uh, problem, then we've got to have a dialogue. We've got to have a debate about it, okay? I'm open to debate. That's one thing you'll learn about me, guys. I am so willing to be wrong. I don't want to be right about everything. I do my research, and I wish I was wrong about some of the things I'm about to tell you guys, but the fact of the matter is, right now, these are the conclusions that are being made, like I said in the beginning. Moving right along. Damage to the immune system. There are many who are also worried about the effect that GMOs could have on the body's ability to fight off infection and disease. A 2008 study on rats showed that those who had been fed genetically modified foods for 30 days displayed signs of a reaction in their immune systems and an altered number of cells which regulate immune functions in the body. Damaged immunity would make humans more vulnerable to illnesses, and may even increase the risk of developing serious conditions like cancer. Well, 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 could GMOs be the answer to the matrix question? That right there alone is very interesting. You see, because the matrix, what is the matrix? We're going to get into, you know, really, I guess the people in the matrix. I'm going to, I'm going to drop names. I'm going to explain to you guys in depth who the aristocrats are. Who are these elites? Who are these technocrats as they call themselves uh, or globalists, people who believe in sort of a one world order? We're not going to talk about that all today, but what I can tell you for sure, which should make sense if you're listening this far is These people in these power structures who develop the matrix, they want us sick and ill. Like I said in the beginning, they want us damaged, right? They want us dealing with an issue that affects our ability to take action in our life. Again, just an overview, this is why I'm talking about health first. Because if we can get our health together, we can make our move in the next direction, which I'll talk about in the ending of this podcast. Okay, moving right along. Dependence of developed countries. Promoters of GMOs often point to the fact that this modification can help the developing world with problems like malnutrition and point out as an example the golden rice that was modified to have high levels of vitamin A. 
Vitamin A is a common nutritional deficiency. There's that key word, you guys. This is a totally different article. Nutritional deficiency. We're going to talk a lot about that later. Vitamin A is a common nutritional deficiency in developing countries. But products like the golden rice can actually increase the dependency of such countries on Western products and make it harder for them to develop their own. Wow. Again, what are the power structures in love with? They are in love with controlling power. They do not want to see the individual empowered. They want to have reliance based on those individuals on their systems. So self-reliance is so important, you guys. People who can grow their own food, hunt, skin a buck, you know, eat their food. If you guys are vegetarians, again, growing that garden, nurturing it. Okay, if you don't have that sustaining knowledge, you're not able to be a self-sustaining human being. Okay, and we're going to talk a lot about that uh, in later podcasts. The lack of control. Especially since labeling laws in the United States in particular in relation to GMOs are particularly non-existent. This is key. People have essentially lost control over what they eat unless they are willing to follow an exclusively organic diet, which is not economically feasible for many. We just talked about that. For instance, if a certain vegetable has been modified with animal genes, This raises issues with those who are vegetarian or vegan or those who have dietary restrictions for medical or, you know, ethical religious reasons. These are all issues to consider carefully. They are also good reasons to avoid GMOs as much as possible until more is known about their potential risks. Wow. Again, a very modest approach to GMOs, you guys. I know people who are religious about their GMOs. They freaking hate GMOs. Their whole life is about destroying GMOs. Oh my God, I can talk all day about it. I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm just saying, can we have a debate about it? Can we prove to each other that GMOs are just fine and dandy and they have no health risks whatsoever? Until that can be proven, we got to be skeptical. Got to be skeptical of things. Okay, moving right along. Okay. This is key. This is key, guys. This goes back to the nutritional deficiency. Crops only need three nutrients in order to grow. The three, and I pulled this right here, guys. This is from, I want to say this is from, uh, it says dpi.gov. So it's a government agricultural website, and it explains what plants need to grow. The three main nutrients are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Together, they make up the trio known as NPK. Why do you give a shit about that? Because Monsanto is the um, largest GMO, I would say more or less GMO delivery. I wouldn't even say manufacturing. We're going to get into who manufactures GMOs. But Monsanto decided that they were going to make the NPK chemical compound in order to give the plants the right fertilizer they needed to grow. So when you look at a tomato, go to the grocery store, right? Look at a tomato that's organic and then look at a tomato that's GMO. Why does the GMO tomato oftentimes look bigger, plumper, sexier, and always better looking? Well, it's because they were pumped up with with these 
uh, NPK chemical compounds because that was all the GMO fertilizer does, you guys. It only grows the plant. So if nutrients only need three, I'm sorry, if plants only need three nutrients and we need 90, then it's a key component to the existence of a healthy body that we have to take a look at. So key. So again, um, www.dpi.nsw.gov, agricultural soils. That's what we're looking at there. All right, guys. So I'm about to be reading from naturalnews.com. This is just a piece of an article that I'm going to read to you, and then I'm going to give you uh, a rundown from my memory. Here we go. The absolutely horrific war crimes that took place during World War II against prisoners both young and old in the Nazi death camps are often relegated to the dustbin of history, with the implication that such inhumane experimentation on human beings could never possibly happen again in today's modern and more, I'm putting quotes together, supposedly more civiled or civilized world. But the disturbing truth is that the vile acts of Nazi scientists from the past eerily resemble those of biotechnology scientists today, who, as you may already know, are gradually converting the entire global food supply into intellectual property owned by multinational corporations, all under the guise of feeding the world, of course. What you may not know, however, is that many Nazi scientists actually came to America after the war and continued their legacies here, creating pharmaceutical, chemical, and weapons companies that used many of the technological developments gained through these evil human experimentation endeavors. It is a sickening prospect but one that is well documented, though perhaps not widely known to by the public. Wow. Okay. Let's let's dissect this, okay? So here's a key thing from here, okay? Nazi scientists who've founded these companies, right? already know are gradually converting the entire global food supply into intellectual property. All right, let me give you an example of this. Okay, you got Farmer Joe. He's got a good old family farm. He's been running it, you know, since his great-grandpa owned the land, you know, all the way back in the early 1900s, let's say, for example. Well, Farmer Joe knows his crop. You know, he grows and he has crop cultivation. He knows how to grow. I mean, if anything, Farmer Joe knows how to do, it's freaking farm, right? Well, next door, I'm not, I'm not kidding you guys. This is real. Next door, you have a Monsanto run factory farm. Okay. Now, if some of you vegans out there, you guys have seen what happens at factory farms. Uh, but what I'm talking about right now is just crops, for example. Well, this is so fascinating. I'm just I'm like almost, I'm laughing, but I also want to cry at the same time. So you have Farmer Joe next door, and then you've got the Monsanto farmers out there who are literally spraying their crops with chemical fertilizer that only has 
NPK in it so that they can grow their plants and get it to the masses and do their business. Well, one day there's a little bit of a wind kick up, right? A gust of wind comes by. And then the seeds that naturally came from the GMO plants blew over into Farmer Joe's land. Well, one day you've got some of these workers who are on Farmer Joe's property and they find their intellectual property being those seeds are on Farmer Joe's property. What do you think happens next? I'm not kidding with you guys. I can pull up news articles of this happening. You have F- FBI partnered with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, partnered with Monsanto, breaking down Farmer Joe's door and accusing him of intellectual property theft because some freaking seeds blew over from the GMO growing uh, crops next door. That is why GMOs are a big issue to farmers. What happens after Farmer Joe is caught with intellectual property in his property? Kind of a double uh, wording there, but it makes sense. Well, Monsanto says, listen, man, we'll cut you a deal. Instead of suing you and putting you out of business and destroying your whole life, we'll just buy your property. Just, Just expand our farm. You know, our farm's next door anyway, and we'll just go ahead and buy your your family farm for pennies on the dollar, pennies on the dollar, and make an offer you cannot refuse, okay, as the mafia would say. And it is mafia-like, actually, because Farmer Joe is like, okay, go to prison, be bankrupted, have my family completely destroyed, or sell my farm for pennies. And just evade going to prison. Guys, this is what's happening with farmers right now. Uh, And that is a real situation. You know, I made up these names and made up this whole story. But I will tell you that I can pull up news articles of many times that they do this. That is called crony capitalism, which we're not going to talk about in depth today. But I just got to mention that that is kind of how they operate. Okay, here is the key. All under the guise of feeding the world, of course. See, that's a quote. All under the guise of feeding the world, of course. That's key. What does the matrix like to do? The matrix is deceptive, okay? The matrix wants to deceive the population. Guys, let me tell you something about evil. Evil, there's evil that blatantly everyone agrees, dude, You know, you killed your wife. This is intense. That's ridiculous. You know, you killed your wife. It's horrible. That's evil. There's also evil that is so subversive that you don't know it's evil. See, how does the mass evil actually make headway? Well, they do so by subversion tactics and convincing the normal public that in that it's hilarious. It's like the jokes on them, but they convince the normal public that it's in their best interest. If you follow me on Instagram, the thing I've been talking about a lot is that how do you convince somebody to do something that is against their best interest? You have to convince them that it is 
actually in their best interest. This is the uh, level of influence that you might have or that you've got to have over people. See, if you can convince people to do something that they shouldn't do, that's a scary power. And that is what's happening with a lot of environmentalists. See, the GMO uh, corporations, they fund a lot of these sort of um, environmental groups and things of that nature. And we're not going to get into the politics of things, but I can just tell you right now that that is a reality, okay? So we're moving right along to dissect this article. You guys, I'm, I know I'm going on a rant on this art, this one piece of this article, but it's just amazing to me. So let's talk about Operation Paperclip for a second. I, I mentioned that here in the beginning. Okay, so Operation Paperclip in 1945 was a secret task carried out by the CIA or really was just an intelligence agency at that point. It wasn't really the CIA just yet, but it was an operation where these Nazi scientists who have been doing experiments, human experiments on Jews and prisoners of war – uh, for, you know, 10 plus years, right? During World War II and before. They have all these documents, and all this research that's really valuable to uh, really any government, honestly, right? So what do they do? These scientists, you know, they're smart, right? So they know that the war is coming to an end and the Nazis are pretty much, you know, uh, moving into trial and all kinds of stuff, right? Well, instead of going to trial, like some of these military officers had to go through the Nuremberg trials, instead... These scientists, they got immunity, guys, political immunity, where they got to say, hey, listen, we got all this research right here. You know, we can go burn it uh, and we're going to get rid of it. You try to kill us or put us in prison for life, we're going to burn all of the intellectual property that you might want. Well, what does our government do? Well, our government's like, listen, man, we'll cut you a deal. We'll, we'll give you a new name. We'll give you a, a citizenship and, you know, you can even be working on the most secretive projects in the United States. So basically giving these Nazi scientists, genuinely um, evil people, all the power in America, okay? And it's because America wanted that research and they've been using that research for generations now, okay? This is very key. So things like this happen. We're going to get into the CIA. We're going to get into PSYOPs. We're going to get into so much on this podcast. I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole with you right now. But the point is that Operation Paperclip, if you just Google it, depending – actually, don't Google it. You got to Bing or go to DuckDuckGo.com. But Bing or DuckDuckGo, they're better search engines now because they actually put what's most popular at the top. Whereas Google has, uh, they censor now, right? They basically put up what they want at the very top. So if you search on Google, what I'm telling you, any research I ever say, you can't Google it really, because you got to go to page three, five, or 10 to get the real articles, the real research. That's why I do deep research. I have certain websites that I focus on most. Um, I derive my information from verified sources. That's my thing. I'm all about the truth here, Okay. Anyways, the point is if you just Bing, Bing is a search engine, by the way, if you just Bing Operation Paperclip and read about it, depending on where you read, you will get either half truth or the complete truth. And I am telling you guys, if you read about Operation Paperclip, it will blow your mind. That concludes part one to the Health Matrix podcast. I broke it up into two parts. 
because I wanted you to really be able to digest this information. In the meantime, I want to thank you for even tuning into this and taking the time. If you would leave a review, that would really help me as well as others understand what this podcast is really about. Now, in future podcasts, I'm looking to keep things short and simple and to the point. But for these first few, you're going to look at a podcast that is in-depth and has a lot of information. So, without further ado, go on to the next podcast and continue part two of The Health Matrix.